Welcome to Brit David Podcast as we continue our walk through the book of Luke as Pastor Tim shares a message from Luke chapter 8 verses 40 through 56 entitled, No Time for Delay. For the most part, we are not good waiters. Waiting and being delayed are more than a little bothersome to us. But the interruption and delay in Jesus' procession at the end of Luke 8 resulted in the healing of two unclean females. God does far more and far better with his timetable than we do with ours. Here's Pastor Tim. Amen. Thank you very much. You can have a seat. I sure am glad that you're here today, and I trust that you've brought your Bible. If you'll take it, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 8. One more time, we're in chapter number 8. We're coming to the close of this chapter, and as the chapter comes to a close, there's not just one miracle that is mentioned, there really are two that are mentioned in this passage. And it's almost as if, as Luke is writing this, as if there is one primary story that's kind of driving from our starting point to our finish, but then there's a secondary story. A second story almost as if it's in parentheses. And I mention it that way because of this. I feel like there are a number of people in our church people that simply are in the world, people who, who belong to the family of God, but who feel like they live life in parentheses, you know? As if their story is not the primary story. As if they are themselves secondary. As if, as if they are thought of second-handedly. I want you to know today that Jesus doesn't think of anybody in terms of second place. You're primary to Him. You matter to Him. He died for you. He called you to be a part of His family. He called you to be a part of this church family. You matter to Him, and it's not that you are simply somewhere behind His scenes. You are ever on His mind. I want us to read through this passage today. Some of it will be very familiar to you. I kind of like what we did last week when we sort of went old school. Let's do it again. Got your Bible? Let's stand together and let's read it together before we begin making comment on it. Let's pick up where we left off last week, which means that we pick up in verse number 40. The Bible says, So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, And he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged Jesus. Now a woman, having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, (laughs) the multitudes throng you and they press you. And you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me. For I perceive power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling 
And falling down before him, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, He answered him saying, do not be afraid. Only believe and she will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John and the father and mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all out took her by the hand and called, saying, Little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned, and she arose immediately, and he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Let's pray. Father, I am so grateful for your word. Your word that tells us that you are a healer, a a word that tells us that that you do care about us, your word that tells us that we are not secondary to you, that we matter to you. Father, I pray for those in this room today, first of all, who need some kind of touch from you, that you would provide that. I pray, Father, also for those that are in here who feel like second-class Christians. Father, I pray that you'd minister to their heart today. Encourage them. Grow them in you today. Father, would you take your word and apply it to us? Help us to understand both what it means and what we're to do with it. Father, I ask your blessings over your word today. Don't let it return void. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. Did you notice the difference in verse number 40 from where we were last week? You know, last week Jesus set sail from one side of the Sea of Galilee, goes all the way across in a boat, crosses through that incredible storm, gets to the land of Gadara where he meets that demon-possessed man. Remember, he casts those demons out and allows them to go into the swine who run violently down the hill and drown themselves in the water below. If you recall, towards the end of that story, the people of the town come to Jesus and say, we don't want you here. We don't want you here anymore. They're afraid of him. They're afraid of losing out. They're afraid because they don't really know who he is. And yet they're willing to cast him aside and tell him to go. If you recall, Jesus gets into the boat, (laughs) sails that very same sea, and goes right back to the very same place that he started from. Now I mention that to you again for this. Jesus will go to an awful big length, at least from our perspective. It's not from his. Jesus will go to an awful big length just to get to you. No matter who you are, no matter if nobody else in town wants anything to do with you, 
Jesus loves you and he'll go to that, he'll go to that measure. He went all the way to Gadara just for that one man, then he turned right around and he went back. What I want you to notice in verse number 40 is the difference in the response of the people. Whereas the people in Gadara said, Jesus, go away. Go away from us. And he does. Look at what they do in verse number 40. They welcome him. They welcome him. And notice why. what else. He says that they are waiting on him. They're waiting on Jesus. That tells me that they are expectant. They have come to the shore that day because they are expecting to see Jesus. They're expecting to encounter Jesus. They're expecting Jesus to do something that only Jesus can do. So here's my question. Why did you come here today? Why are you here? What, what is your level of expectation? The psalmist said, I prayed and then I looked up. What's he talking about? He says, I prayed, I pour out my soul to God, and then I look up expectantly waiting for him to answer this prayer according to his will and according to his timetable. Why are you here? What do you expect today? Expect to catch up with friends? Do you expect to talk about what the weekend has been filled with so far? Do you expect to see and to be seen? What do you expect? There's a couple of people that we meet in our story who come to this place on this particular day with high expectations. They're expecting Jesus to do something really that they've not seen done before. They want to see Jesus raise the dead. They want to see Jesus heal somebody and not even know it. <laughs> it's incredible when you look through these really two stories, right? There's some fascinating things about these two ladies, these two females. You know, as I begin to go through this story, what I discover is that they have a lot in common. And they have a lot that's not so much in common. So I want to break us down today in, our, in your outline. Number one, I want you to see that their conditions were both common and ordinary. Their conditions were common with one another, and they were ordinary. They were just things that, that people go through even today. The girl... And this woman, Jairus' daughter, and then the one that Jesus calls daughter in verse number 48. They share so many similarities in their need for a great physician. <laughs> I guess you could say one needs a great physician, one needs a great pediatrician. Either way, they need Jesus to do something that only Jesus can do. Let's, contract, let's compare them a little bit. Number one, I want you to see that they suffered for a decade plus. For a decade plus. For a dozen years, uh, everything centers on that last 12 years, doesn't it? The little girl is 12 years old. This woman has had an issue of blood for 12 years. What's the point of that? Well, one point is to tell you that this is a woman who's suffered an awful lot. And this is... Just a little girl. 
who was suffering right now. But it also tells me a lot about their families. It tells me a lot about Jesus and His compassion for everybody. But to the person who is reading this for the very first time, the Jewish person who is reading this story from Luke, they immediately understand and gather just from the number 12 that Jesus is talking to them. Twelve tribes of Israel, it's a point that he's making that, that you know, we could say, well, we, could, we, we put more into it than, than ought to be there. I don't think that's the case. These are people, first of all, they're both, they're both girls. Right? They're both females. Which in their society, what does that mean? It means they're not even people. Not to the Jewish person who's being called out with that number 12. Here's... Here is property. Here is a woman who is beyond her prime. Here is a woman who is beyond usefulness. Why in the world would Jesus ever take time with somebody like that? And here's a little girl that just doesn't even know better. You know? Why, why would Jesus take time with her? Maybe it's not because of her, maybe it's because of who her daddy is. There's a number of things, but what I would tell you is this. The last 12 years for both of these families have been very, very difficult. Number two, I want you to see that they were diseased. Both of them were diseased. And we don't know exactly what, uh, what's wrong necessarily with either one of them, especially with the girl. All we know is... That she is terminal and it's immediate. She is, she is facing the point of death at that very hour. And what we know about the woman is, is that her hemorrhaging would have been fatal in, in not too long. They are eaten up on the inside with something that nobody else can fix. And here's the thing, again, for those Jewish people that are that are reading this, that are wondering, why are you calling us out on this? I mean, just because, I mean, you, you, you're talking about girls. I mean, who, who, who really cares about them, right? But then to say that they're diseased, now I really don't care about them. Because it means that they're unclean. This woman with this issue of blood, the Bible is very specific about that. She is unclean and she does not have any place in the synagogue and technically should not be in that crowd. This little girl, before we get to the end of the story, she's dead. You know, she is unclean. Jesus has to kick people out of the room, but they ought not have to. They ought to flee that room. We're talking about people that certain religious people just don't care about. You ever feel that way? Like you're the only person on the face of the earth that really nobody cares about. They don't care what, they've been through, what you've been through this week. They don't care what you've been going through for the last, I don't know, 12 years. It's almost as if you feel like you just don't matter. Can I come back to this? You do matter. You matter to Jesus. He gave his life for you. You matter. They suffered for a decade plus. 
They were diseased. And they were desperate. They were desperate. Desperation has driven these people to this point that we find them in this story today. Listen, it's, it's not out of the way that Luke mentions that Jairus is the ruler of the synagogue. But it's because he mentions who Jairus is that makes the rest of verse number 41 so amazing. Here is a man who should have been able to tell other people, you go tell Jesus to come to me. You go tell Jesus to come to me, and then I'll tell him what to do from here. Or you tell him just to come to my house. You go do that. He he doesn't send anybody else. He goes on his own. And in front of everybody, people who had been in the synagogue that previous Sabbath, saw this man standing there and ministering right in front of them, A man that they would have held in in extremely high esteem on his face, begging this teacher, this itinerant preacher, to come and do something for him that he was desperate for. Desperation will cause a man to give up his dignity voluntarily. Desperation will drive a person to do what they thought that they would never do or could never do. And that's Jairus. It's brought him to the point of great humility. But desperation also drives this woman... Not to the point of humility, not to the point of humbling herself. She's already there. And she's, I mean, as I read through this story, it seems like she's always been there. Desperation drives her to the point of boldness. To where she's willing to go into a crowd where she doesn't belong. To talk to a man that she ought not talk to. To reach out and touch somebody that the security guards ought to reprimand her for. I mean, she's got a plan. And it's a big one. She just doesn't want anybody to know it. In their own ways, they are absolutely desperate for Jesus to do something. In a way, that's really true. At some level of everybody in that crowd. Remember, they have welcomed Jesus. They are waiting on him. They are desperate for Jesus to do something. Why are we here? We're desperate. We're desperate for God to do something that only God can do. We're desperate for His presence. We're desperate to see His glory. We're desperate to see His power. These two people are not going anywhere until Jesus does something for them. What are you willing to walk out of here on? You're willing to take a walk before he acts? Before he answers? 
Is that okay? Is lunch that great? Is a nap that great? I want to be like Jacob. Lord, I will not let you go until you bless me. That's the attitude that's shared by these two people. There's a fourth thing I want you to see, though. They're dying. They are dying. Death is imminent for this little girl, and death is eventual for this woman. Death is eventual for all of us, isn't it? I mean, in a way, we could say we're all dying. I mean, we're dying a little bit more every single day. But I don't typically live in that reality. I don't typically think throughout the day, you know what, man, today could be my last day. Now, there are days. <laughs> but most of the point, I don't, I don't think that way and I don't live that way. These two do. And if you've ever been in their kind of situation, then you know exactly what it's like to have death on your mind. When desperation comes into the heart of a dying person, Desperation may be exactly what it takes for them to finally reach out to Jesus. I don't want it to take that. I don't want to be like I'm about to give you this fifth element. I don't want Jesus to be my last resort. I want Him to be my first response. But number five, for them, they're deprived. They're deprived. They've already tried everything else. In fact, the Bible says specifically about this woman in verse number 43 that she spent all her livelihood on many physicians and they could not heal her. You know Jairus, as the ruler of the of the synagogue, has tried everything and everybody that he knows. And at this point, healing has been denied for them. See that desperation and dying? Once it leads me to Jesus, I begin to see how deprived I really am of the one thing that I needed in my life more than anything else, that's the one thing I'm missing. You know, you start to think, why why am I coming to Jesus now? For one, it's never too late. But if you feel like you have missed out in life, He's waiting on you. To do more with this season of life than you've ever done all by yourself in all your years. Whether it's an older lady, whether it's a younger girl, whether it's somebody who is up front and in leadership positions, 
somebody that everybody knows and everybody respects, or it's somebody that nobody knows. She doesn't even have a name in our passage. Nobody even cares about. Jesus knows you. Jesus loves you. Jesus can help you. Join us tomorrow as Pastor Tim shares a conclusion to the message from Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 56, entitled, No Time for Delay. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BritDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.